Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, James. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. Steve. James. Great to be here. Always. I love this episode with Rob. Rob's the man. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he is. Man, he just uh, hit us with some serious truth bombs in this episode, right? Yep. And Rob is slinging nowadays. So um, you and I have both had the opportunity to be Rob's peer um, at being a therapist at Lifestar. And it is awesome. He's tearing it up. Um, So highly recommended. By the way, absolutely yes. Um, in the therapeutic sense, yes. so so we will have an email description of where you can find Rob. Um, email description, <laughs> email for him where you can find him and get in contact with him to schedule said appointment. Um, but what I love about Rob's story, so Rob's an old G story. When people are like, yeah. what about those old episodes? I brought Rob a frosty. We met at his parents' house. Um, he had was not yet uh, married to Liz. Um, yeah. And, um, so he's one which of is the, his second marriage. Yeah. One of the uh, legacy episodes that you can only find on the website right now. Right. Unashamedunafraid.com. Correct. Yep. Um, and, uh, what I love about Rob's story is like, it is not the way you think it goes. Like it's like oh, yeah. a recovery story is do this and the marriage stays together. And the recovery story is when this happens, then they turn around and the recovery story is this. And, and Rob's story is so authentic. Yeah. And none of those things. Right. (laughs) And he goes through all the scary stuff and he still comes through on the other end, a stronger, better, happier man than he ever was before. Amen to that. So, um, man, if you want a recovery story worth listening to, Tune in to this. Um, And uh, the bonus content, um, he answers some amazing questions super well. If you'd like to get the bonus content, we invite you to become an outsider. Um, Our outsiders are those who are bold, accepted, and unashamed. Um, And you can donate and become an outsider, whatever it is that you can donate, by going to unashamedunafraid.com slash donate. And And I just want to give a big shout out to a generous donor, Jim. Uh, Jim, you know who you are. We love you. Jim, outsider, hardcore. Double love you. As we double love all the outsiders and anyone who's listening. Um, And so if you are in need, what happens with those donations is we create scholarships for people to... get help, get help that they need therapeutically and whatever resources retreat. So if you are in need, go to unashamedunafraid.com slash scholarships, um, in order to see what scholarships we have available. Um, if you are enjoying this content or just want to be nice, go to iTunes and give us five stars because that is how people find us. If you have a recovery story or have a question you want to ask, absolutely reach out to us. Um, we would love to hear from you. Uh, follow us at Unashamed Unafraid, both Facebook and Instagram. And I don't know why I'm still talking because Rob is way cooler than me. And so we should get in the studio with Rob. Rob, Robbie, Rob, Rob. How's it going? <laughs> this is like so casual. Yeah. Cause like we hang out all the time. Right. We know each other. Yeah. That's the thing. 
<laughs> but for those of our listeners who don't know you, don't remember the old G recording where I had a cold, <laughs> paint yourself into context. Who is Rob? Well, I mean, as far as uh, generals go, I'm 38. I'm married. have five kids. Uh, I'm a therapist at Lifestar. Ah! And and uh, just happy to be here and helping out in this capacity to share my story and to bring hope and love into those who need it. And just because I think this is awesome, um, Rob, to date you are how sober? Uh, five and a half years. It'll be six years in July. So just to be clear, you have not masturbated or looked at porn or been with other women outside of your marriage in five and a half years. Five and a half years. So you're telling me that recovery is possible? Recovery is totally possible. Excellent. That's the most amazing thing in the world. So tell us the story. Well, where do you want me to begin? <laughs> Let's start at the beginning, yeah? Tell us a little okay. bit about the childhood and you know where you No, I want to start I want to start with the See, this is a bit a little bit loaded cuz we I like know Rob's story super well. So I I want to start that day you showed up at Todd Olson's office. <laughs> The, okay. the middle one, not the first time. You know what day I'm talking about when you're yeah. like, I'm crazy. Yeah. Yep. So, <clears throat> all right. I got to put that in context. So, I uh, had issues with porn and masturbation. My, you know, growing up, starting around 11. And then fast forward to that day in Todd Olson's office. I had been married for 10 years post-mission, and my addiction had uh, escalated quite quite quickly. Um, and escalated from porn and masturbation to strip clubs and prostitutes and uh, infidelity outside my marriage. And so, <clears throat> so coming up on our... Well, not coming up, but uh, our 10-year anniversary had come, and I had had connected with my wife in a really meaningful way uh, on that day, and then had gone out and acted out with a prostitute on that day. And ended up getting busted by the cops. And on uh, your tenth anniversary, on my tenth anniversary, had just had lunch with my wife, and and then that happened. After that was over, so super degrading and humiliating. Uh, I was not arrested, but felt I should have been. But that's beside the point. Uh, anyway, and then all of that happened, and I was still in the mindset of how can I get around this and keep this hidden from from everyone 
and continue going say, you know, saying prayers, God, if you can help me out of this one, you know, I'll never, I'll never touch this stuff again. The same old song and dance. Right. And I went on this weekend anniversary weekend getaway with my wife after that all happened and had a nice connecting time with her, but at the same time having all the shame and feelings of just complete worthlessness. Um, and like how, how the hell could somebody do this and still like try and connect with their wife and, and move on with life. And so Cause that's like dual life at the max. Right. Extreme. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Right. And to add another layer to that, I was working for the church, uh, at that time downtown. And so here's a guy who spends his days around general authorities and highly influential people of the church, uh, going on my lunch breaks and engaging in these things and then coming home to a loving and faithful wife who had absolutely no idea the dual life I was leading. And so we come back from that uh, anniversary trip and just feeling like I'm the shittiest person in the world. And I march into Todd's office one day and I didn't have an appointment. It was like middle of the afternoon. We all know how busy Todd is and knocked on his door. And I said, I have to talk to you. And he was like, well, I got appointments, but. Uh, so he's like in the middle of an appointment. You just go knock on the door. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so. Bad boundaries. I, <laughs> but he said that he would see me, but I had to sit through like two other people. And so I was there in his waiting room for two hours and. Then he, then he invited me in and I said, Todd, I, I think I'm a sociopath because how on earth could somebody be so disconnected from, uh, reality and so, so compartmentalized with here's this really awesome, super spiritual, loving, caring husband, um, that can connect really well with his wife uh, on an emotional level, which later on I've, I discovered that I really wasn't connecting <laughs> that, that deeply on an right. emotional level, but you know, that's, that was the perception. Right. And then could turn around and completely do this all in the same day. Right. And so that was a really aha moment and turning point in my life. Well, so what was the aha? So you're, well, Todd, you know, we had, we had been going through the Lifestar program at that time. So we had been in Lifestar two years and my wife was under the perception that I was getting better. And I was, my outward perception was that I was getting better, but inwardly I was getting way worse and, and disconnecting even further uh, more shame. And so Todd, Todd talked me off the ledge a little bit and he said, you know, the, the fact that you're coming in here and you're thinking that you're a sociopath is clearly signs that you're not a sociopath. 
And he basically said, you've, you've got two choices here. You can continue trying to cover this up and figure things out, and you'll probably end up killing yourself and dying. Or you can let the truth out. And whatever the aftermath of that looked like, if I got the truth out, he said, I, I had the opportunity to reclaim my life. So what, after you're, you're going through the program there for a couple of years, what do you think was contributing to the actual worsening of the problem rather than things improving? Um, the, the, the way I was going about recovery, again, I, I was an expert poser mm. and, uh, going through the program the first time, uh, mainly out of compliance and fear that if I didn't, mm-hmm. if I didn't go through this program, uh, wanting the help deep down, but, but more, more driving than wanting the help was the fear that I could lose my wife and family and, and membership in the church and the whole, kick your whole life. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> that my life would literally be over. Yeah. Uh, if any of this got out. And so I, you know, I was just a desperate man trying to hold things together. And the only thing that could really soothe that disparity or that disconnect in my life was more and more engaging in my addictive behaviors. And Porn and masturbation wasn't enough at that point. Hmm. So, I'm just like want to hold some space for everything you just said. Just the depth of that. Yeah, it's a pretty shitty position to be in. Yeah, just going through the steps of recovery but not let being able to let it sink in because out of sounds like just fear was just really that overriding so what set you free of that fear well it was there was a chain of events that happened um so after that meeting with todd i i went home uh determined to talk to my wife Meaning, tell her what was going on. To tell her what was going on, and to finally let out that I I really wasn't doing uh, better, but that I was getting much worse. And so I remember that that day coming home and just telling her, "Hey, we need to talk. I can't." I can't carry on like this anymore and just told her that I had I had not been getting better but been getting much worse even then not it wasn't like a full vomit of details in that moment but just that I had continued to be unfaithful to her uh over the past 2 years and and that so was this a, a still some spotlighting going on, or was this like a no holds bar? This was, a, you know, the shit hit the fan for me, and uh, 
I was going to tell her the truth that things weren't as, as rosy as they seemed. And I wasn't hiding anything. I just, I, I literally said, I, I still have not been faithful to you. And this problem is way worse than, than it was before. And I need help. And that I understood if she wanted to be done and that I, I would do whatever she needed me to do. And at that point I I was kicked out of the house and I packed my stuff and I, I left at that point. And then the, the aftermath of that, this, so this was June of, uh, 2014 at that, all that happened. And, um, and then we started like making plans of like, what are we going to do? We had both been seeing Todd. Todd was both of our therapists and, um, we, we started planning for full disclosure. Um, but that, that process in and of itself took until October to finally mm-hmm. like the, mm-hmm. the nuclear bomb had to settle down first before we could come back and I could mm-hmm. actually, ex- you know, basically express everything that mm-hmm. had gone on from mm-hmm. from beginning to finish uh, in that space. So uh, going back to your previous question, it wasn't spotlighting. Um, it just needed time to for the dust to settle. So I think... <clears throat> I think some of our listeners, you know, they, they hear about, it's like, oh, I'm going to disclose and then we separate. Right. And I, and I packed up and left, like, that's a super scary moment. Right. Cause you just faced what you described was holding you back from really engaging in recovery. Right. You were afraid that you were going to lose everything. Right. So what did that, what was that like? to like be walking out of the house with your bags and you're like, I don't even know. Like, what was that like? Well, I, I felt pretty worthless. And, uh, that, that day in particular, um, to be honest, I felt pretty numb. Okay. Like the, 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 effect of just dropping that bomb Mm -hmm. left me pretty numb to like, I couldn't think past me packing up and, and going, I I went and stayed with my parents and like literally nothing else entered my mind the rest of that day. Just, just that and the recurring thought that my life is over. Mm. So that was a pretty harrowing day. Um, but as the, as the days progressed and trying to figure out what we needed to do, um, after that, in the aftermath, um, I remember sitting in my parents' basement and thinking, you know, I I was afraid that my life was going to be over and now it is, mm-hmm. but I'm, 
I'm still here. Like I'm well, still talk alive. Ab- so talk about what was lost when you were sitting in your parents' basement. So, uh, you know, the, the love and trust of my wife. Right. So the uh, family have lost my family. Completely obliterated. And what does that mean for me as a father? We have right. three kids. Right. Uh, three young kids that uh, didn't really know or understand what was going on. Uh, what was going to happen with my church membership? Uh, that was a big thing uh, of big importance to me. And if I had lost my membership, I would most certainly lose my job because the church frowns upon excommunicated members getting paid right there. <laughs> anyway, um, and so literally all these building blocks that I was trying to hold together were family job membership in the church. Yeah. And, and to, at that point, my, my spirituality and my connection with the savior, uh, was tied to my membership in the church. Wow. So thinking like, what does that mean for me spiritually? Yeah. Uh, in the long run is, is definitely connected with the bombshell of, I've just totally messed up my life permanently. So, um, so you're there in the basement with all of this, just, just the, the fear, like to James said, right? Like your fear is now reality. Right. So now what? And, and so the thoughts then start to shift toward, well, I'm still here. What can I do about this situation? And so rather than roll over and die, which is an option and Mm -hmm. pretty viable option at that point. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I decided to, you know, just put one foot in front of the other and say, well, I can listen to what the state president is telling me to do. And I started with that. So I was reading my scriptures. He gave me a bunch of books to read, which that's, you're not here to, hear my opinion about that but uh but i i read all the material that he suggested that i read was that uh, an eye roll to the miracle of forgiveness <laughs> one of them yes <laughs> yes yes so i i have that same eye roll and have had that experience um and are you sure is there any other book you want to recommend <laughs> and that's yeah so yeah. there right to be clear you you did lose your membership. Yeah. So the aftermath of that, it, it's, that's even crazier. So, uh, a few weeks later, my brother ended up passing away. And so that delayed my disciplinary counsel. Uh, and then a, a few weeks after that, my grandpa passed away. And so like in the middle of my own personal shitstorm, people died. <laughs> And, and so it wasn't until August of 2014 that I was excommunicated from the church. And that in and of itself was, uh, another catalyst for change Mm -hmm. in my story was going through that process. Um, not so much the experience as a whole, but I remember, you know, sharing my story with in that room and talking about the duality of my life and uh, which, 
you know, it's talking about, which I think is a common thing among uh, people who struggle with addictive behaviors. The if I could just get rid of my addiction, I'd, I'd be a pretty good guy and a spiritual guy can connect and feel feel God's love in the temple mm-hmm. and all these things. And the one really interesting thing that I remember from that night was a member of the stake presidency uh, after everyone had shared their piece with me. Sure. He said, you know, Rob, we've been listening to you tonight share about your experiences and your duality of life. And, and I want you to realize that both of those lives that you've been leading are completely wrong. And that took me, that took me back a little bit. It hit me, uh, really oddly because throughout that whole night, I felt like I was in control and, and leading the discussion almost. And, but he said, both of those lives are wrong because neither one of them is living up to the full potential that God has for you and that God created you for. He's like, there's a third guy in there that you need to find. And that's, that's the advice that he gave me. It's find that third guy that God wants you to be. So how did you find him? <laughs> I started with what I knew, right? And I knew I had a testimony, but the member of the stake presidency challenging that a little bit. Uh, caused me to think a little bit differently uh, or more in-depthly would be more accurate to what do I really believe in and who do I think I am and what does God think of me in that context. So where do I go for those resources? I turned to the scriptures and I said, well, I I connect with Todd and the Lifestar program. I, I went back and started a phase one again and went through it this time without my wife there and said, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to be here for me. And being completely uh, open and deliberately honest and thorough in my addictive patterns and, and behavior and digging into my my family and just all the ways that I've been in denial uh, throughout my life. And things really started to change on that front. Uh, going through death in the family uh, sobered me up a little bit too. And... Uh, the, the final piece, I think, in that puzzle was trying to resolve the conflict that I had with, with the disconnect with my wife and discovering the, the deeper resentments and, and struggles that I had uh, with her and, and being her husband. And not that she was doing anything... You know, but, but my, how I showed up in the marriage, uh, was, uh, I, I started to realize, um, just 
what role I really played in the disconnect of, of our relationship over those 10 years. And, uh, especially like all the other voices around me who were, you know, your typical church answers of like, well, if she really loved you, you know, she should forgive you. And and Mm -hmm. I don't see why you can't move back. And, and, you know, it's better to keep a family together if you're actually together and all these things. Uh, and cause you're still separated through all this. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're separated at this point still. And, uh, going through and having to stand up for her and defend her and what, what her experience has been like, but still fighting that, that deeper resentment of like, why can't she just love me and accept me and move on from this? Right. Here I've done all these shitty things and I'm still looking for that validation of why can't you forgive me? Why can't we move on? And so I, in, in my therapy sessions, uh, going, going to therapy one time, uh, Debbie was my hashtag Debbie Reed hashtag all star Hashtag should get an appointment with her. Hashtag also good luck on that. But <laughs> hashtag should get an appointment with her. She's the best. Yes, I agree. I fully endorse that. But she said, I James, do you endorse? 100%. I do concur. <laughs> so she said something profound to me. And she said, well, she was saying it to the group. I said, I bet you guys don't really realize what it must feel like to be married to you. And it was like, whoa, <laughs> I don't think I've ever thought of it from that perspective because I've always been coming at it like, I'm a good guy. I'm a great guy. I'm, I'm the all around husband that will do anything for his wife. And here I am. I, I've, I've done, I've just done this. Like, why can't she forgive and move past that? So anyway, from that challenge, I went home and I, and I prayed in my, in my nightly prayers, I said, God, help me to start to understand what it must feel like to be married to me. And <clears throat> that night, I had this really vivid dream where I was in this warehouse. And, and it was a huge warehouse, but off in the distance, I could see a light and I could see a figure over there. So I started to move closer to the figure to to see what that was. And as I got closer, I could see that it was the silhouette of my wife. And I could I could tell that there was something wrong there. And so as I moved closer to try and assess the problem, I started to hear her distress and hear her pain coming from her. And I could tell that there was somebody else there standing next to her. So I started to move quicker to get close to her to try and and figure out what the danger was, what was going on. As I got closer, the image came more into focus, and I saw that there was somebody there standing in front of my wife with a gun and was repeatedly shooting the gun 
at my wife, and she was responding every time to the shot of that gun. And as I got closer, I saw that she was covered with blood. And the gunman had continued had continued to fire the gun. And so right at that moment, I started to panic, and I wanted to help her. And I wanted to see who was doing this to her. And I got to the point where I was standing right next to her, and I turned to face the gunman, and it was me. And I was continuing to shoot her. And she was continuing to take it. And I remember being awoken, startled, awake, and just sobbing and crying out. <clears throat> crying out to my father to save her. And and in that moment, all of the resentment and the pain that I felt over our situation, our marriage, right, completely went away. And I knew God, God had answered my prayer and had given me this very vivid image of, of what it must feel like to be married to me. And I feel like that was the final piece of the puzzle for me in my recovery uh, to realize my part and my role in all of this. And from that point on, I, I, I started to work with my wife on what she needed and to take care of her heart. And no matter what happened uh, to our marriage, that I would continue to fight for, for her and battle for her, even if it meant that I would have to let her go. And <clears throat> fast forwarding, uh, fast forwarding about a year later, we, we did end up getting divorced. And at the time you got divorced, how sober were you? Uh, two years. Yeah. And so she, you know, as I was getting healthier for reals, uh, you know, our conversations turned more toward creating safety. What do you feel you need to be safe in this space with me? And do you feel like you could uh, ever trust me again? And the determination was that she really loved and cared for me. And I loved and cared for her. Excuse me. But the damage was so far and extensive that she, she really couldn't trust me anymore. And I had to live with that and be okay with that. 
And so, uh, for us, we, we ended up getting divorced. Well, and I love the, um, we always want to make everything so black and white, so right or wrong. Like you were saying, right? Like there's this scripting around how it should go or shouldn't go. And so that's, that's one of the beauties, you know, Rob, I love about your story is, um, the gray, right? Cause like, I know the first time I heard it right hearing your story. And I know this for all the people first time hearing this, like what you were two years sober. That's not when you get divorced. That's when y'all move back in together and it's kumbaya. Cause all that matters is that this addiction is out of the way. If the behavior is stopped, then life is good. So this does not compute, but the realities, right. Of, of love and relationship and God right? Like it really, there really is the gray, right? Just as infinite of possibilities and, and, um, you know, to, to enter that place sober and outside of resentment and not only in your truth, but her and her truth. Right. And I, you know, uh, whether it's, it's, uh, feelings of, duty and responsibility or obligation to covenants that you make with each other. Mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes those can get in the way of actual healing because you're trying to cram or force or, or, or alter true, honest, deep feelings within you to fit the mold of what you right. think is like right. a covenant marriage or, or, you know, the church doesn't condone divorce or, or whatever it may be, right? Like, these stories are, are way more beyond just, I made a covenant, I have to stay in it now, right? And for recovery, recovery, true recovery cuts through all of that, uh, black and white. This is how I should be. This is what my family should look like. This is how I should behave or act or whatever. And say, dude, just be real. Because again, the third guy, right? Yeah. God created you for a purpose. And sometimes, you know, you have to go through a a pile of shit to find it out. And I would, and I would say always, Right. Yeah. So I was just going to, let's talk to that. Right. You were sitting in your parents' basement and you're like, who am I? So tell us who you are now. Who did you discover? Who's the third guy? (laughs) The third guy is a man of God who loves himself and who can connect with others on a deep uh, spiritual level and a deep loving level. Uh, Rob is a guy who speaks truth through compassion. And I feel like God has given me a gift to, to speak to the hearts of men that they are loved and they are worthy of loved. And that no matter what we've done or what we think we should be that God will show us the way 
as long as we're willing to to connect with him and connect with his son each and every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, fast forward, you talked about being a counselor now, but also um, being remarried because that's, uh, you know, a question we often get here is, you know, I can't get divorced because if I get divorced, then I'm, uh, you know, all the shame things, I'm leftovers. All that's left for me is me screwed up and someone else screwed up. And then we just do screwed up together and step families are impossible. And the right blending kids never works. And it's traumatizing. I mean, so much stigma, so much shame around being that person. Right. And, and to that, I would just say that, uh, authenticity attracts authenticity and love attracts love. And if we go about being our authentic selves, that we will attract, um, we will attract that and we can find love again. It it is not impossible. Uh, God doesn't have just one person selected for each one. And once you've blown that chance, you're like doomed to nothingness. Right. Uh, getting back into the dating world, uh, especially in your mid thirties is crazy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, the women have the same perception, right? Like women in their thirties are just as crazy as guys in their thirties trying to date and find love. And, and so, uh, to that experience, like I, I, as I determined, as I decided to get back into that world saying, well, I'm going to speak truth and no longer pose. And I've, I found that women were attracted to that. So your online profile was exactly like a 12 step meeting. Hello, my name's Rob. I'm a recovering sex addict. Uh, Sobriety date of X. Let me know if you want a first date. Not quite, but it was, it was more, (laughs) it was more real. Like this is what I'm looking for. And the refreshing thing, right. Is, is that's exactly who I was at that point. I wasn't, Mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to puff myself up or make myself look better than I really was. I, I think even one of my profile pictures was this crazy picture that one of my kids had taken of me and I had, I had let my beard go, uh, after I was excommunicated. It was like this, I looked awful, but, and I was giving this really funny face and I was in like great clips. I think it it wasn't, it wasn't anything special, but I was like, well, Great clips, not an official sponsor of Unashamed and Afraid. <laughs> if if somebody swipes on that, then I'll give her a chance. <laughs> but uh, just being real and authentic, and uh, you know, why did you get divorced? Not sugarcoating that and saying I, you know, I made some really poor choices that, you know, unfaithful to my wife and. I really screwed the pooch on that. So how long have you and Liz been married now? Uh, it was three years in December. And so... Whatever that is, it's March right now. Right. So three years and change. Three years and change. And 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 why has it worked? 
communication and connection, honesty, uh, honesty, and like talking about our real feelings and not letting anything fester or build up to the point where, oh, you should have known and exploding on each other. But uh, honest and true communication each and every day. We come together at the end of each night. We check in with each other, uh, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. And we just have created this environment where I can say anything to you and know that you will hold space for that, even if you don't agree or that triggers you in some way or you trigger me, let's talk about it rather than avoid or shame or compartmentalize or, or tear each other down. And and in that, I know Liz is so equal. So she, we had a lot of conversations about her being here. Just some life stuff came up that kept her from being tonight, but she she shares her story and and shares out loud with you all the time when you speak and share. She's very much that way. And, um, you know, her own journey is totally is, is wild and crazy too. Yeah. And and that just, uh, her authenticity matches yours. Yeah. When she speaks and talks, like you are just like, yep, that's the truth. Like there's, she's not a sugar coder. And so when you say that, like, I just want to speak like as someone who knows your wife and has met her and heard her share, right? Like, um, she totally lives in that same authenticity that you're speaking to. Right. And to that point, our, our entire first year of marriage, you know, she dated people that were posers, right? And so she knew the game. Mm-hmm. And so our entire first year of marriage, she literally was waiting every day of this is too good to be true. This is too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. when is when is the hammer going to fall on this? And it it took probably a good year before she started to finally say, oh, this is... This is the real deal. This is the real deal. Like Rob is being authentic and I don't have to question where he's at because he's actually telling me and I can, I can start to trust that. So uh, even that, right? A lot of uh, people in recovery, uh, if they, whether they stay married or they, they go out and they try and find somebody else, right? They, they get tripped up by like, oh, is this going to be held over my head mm-hmm. my entire life? Or why do you have to keep bringing this up? You know, but even though you're being authentic right now, right? You have to hold space for your spouse or the person that you're dating that, hey, maybe, you know, you're... 20 plus years of crap that you've, you've been holding on to this whole entire time. It's going to take a while for that to filter out, even after you've gained some recovery and, and are practicing what you preach. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think I just so many things, Rob, and I'm excited for our bonus content because I already have some questions for you that I want to ask in that, but just some, some tangents, right. To where we go to. But, um, I think, uh, in, in kind of wrapping it up, the, the question that I want to ask you is, um, and you know, because you work with these individuals on a daily basis, um, and in your own experience, I guess my question is right for those who don't feel like they're on that journey back or, um, can't find it or don't believe in it. Um, 
if they were here right in front of you, um, what would you tell them to, for them to know that that third guy is actually in there? Hmm. That's a good question. I think for me and what I've learned and, and in my own experience is, uh, the atonement of Christ is meant for everyone and that God loves us 100%, 100% of the time. And it really doesn't matter what we do or where we go or how far we feel we've fallen down the road or the rabbit hole, that God's love is still there and is still waiting for us if we'll just reach up and grab it. And that everyone is worthy of that love and acceptance. And so for me, a big part of what I like to share with people is to be kind to yourself and be patient and to have some compassion for yourself and your situation, to give yourself some space. There will be grieving periods. There will be uh, little victories here and there, and there will be stumbles along the way. But that's all part of the process. And we just have to trust in that process and have faith and trust that God is always there. Yeah. Yeah. If you do not believe that recovered and recovery is possible, I invite you to start this episode over and explain how Rob could be sitting here today and saying the <laughs> things that he said. Because truly, Rob, you you are a miracle. Well, I believe that. <laughs> yeah. Dude, thank you so much for being here with us and sharing your heart. I love you, man. Thanks for having me over. I love you too. Of course. Um, so if you want to uh, join us for the bonus content with Rob, we hope to see you there. Always invite everyone to become an outsider. You can do that by going to unashamedunafraid.com slash donate. And all of those donations go to scholarships to help fund for people to uh, work their recovery who can't afford to do so um, with some different resources. So if you are in need, we invite you to go to unashamedunafraid.com slash scholarships and apply for a scholarship today. If you enjoyed sitting here with Rob and hearing this and want the rest of the world to be able to find us and have hope, we invite you to go to iTunes. Even if you didn't listen on iTunes, go to iTunes and give us five stars. That is how the world populates and decides um, for us to uh, be seen and and, and be heard. Um, find us on social media at Unashamed Unafraid, both Facebook and Instagram. If you have anonymous questions, ask them. If you have a recovery story like Rob's, share it with the world. We would love for you to come and do that here with us. And Rob, as you know, you've been around this camp, old G. <laughs> we give everyone a song, right? A song to that they feel is representative of their healing and their story as we go out. So for you at this point in time, feeling your story, your song is Colton Dixon has a song called through all of it. Mm. And that's the one that's been hitting me really hard lately. So I invite you as you listen to the song by Colton Dixon, one of my favorites, one of the first songs I heard ever at a Christian concert live was that song. Um, so beautiful songs. You listen to that song. I invite you to ask if recovery and healing marriages and second marriages 
And really, if the atonement is possible, having heard Rob, Rob, you're the man. Thanks for having me on. And we will pass it to our friend Colton Dixon through all of it. There are days of taking more than I can give And there are choices that I've made that I wouldn't make again I've had my share of laughter, of tears and troubled times This has been the story of my life I've won and I've lost I got it right sometimes, but sometimes I did not Life's been a journey, I've seen joy, I've seen regret Oh, and you have been my guide through all of it You were there when it all came down on me When I was blinded by my fear And I struggled to believe But in those unclear moments You were the one keeping me strong This is how my story's always gone I won And I lost I got it right sometimes But sometimes I did not Life's been a journey I've seen joy, I've seen regret Oh, you have been my God through all of God through all of it.